Welcome everyone to the Grainmaker Wrestling Podcast, a Prairie Proud Wrestling Podcast covering everything from Winnipeg to worldwide. My name is Blair Pacheco. It's a Wednesday evening. It is rainy outside. It's cloudy. It's cool. I mean, it's the middle of October. What more can you expect? It's a little bit of a different Wednesday. There's no dynamite on, but I do have the Leaf game on in the background. And what do you know? They are losing. So it's what you come to expect with the Maple Leafs. But... I am very fortunate. My lovely girlfriend is giving me a huge hug from behind right now while I'm recording this. So if I suddenly gasp for air, it's because she decided to squeeze tighter. But with the uh, while I'm recording this, what we are here for is to talk wrestling. And today's episode, I'm incredibly stoked on. I was joined by Eric from Time Bomb Pro Wrestling. Now, Eric is the... he's the brains behind Time Bomb. He's the promoter. He's putting on all the shows. And uh, you know what? He has been doing an incredible job down there, really making a name for Time Bomb and just putting on some incredible shows. They're up on YouTube. They're up on IWTV. And uh, we get into a whole bunch. We talk about the North Dakota wrestling scene. We talk uh, the beginnings of Time Bomb, what it's like putting on shows. We talk about the show in Winnipeg that got postponed due to the pandemic and we we cap it off with talking about the upcoming Violence is Forever show featuring Dominic Greeny one-on-one with Minoru Suzuki and uh, it's a show that will probably go down in Midwest wrestling history as one of the biggest shows and I mean I'm very stoked for it I think a lot of people are and the hype behind it is it's really uh, really incredible to see so We get into all that stuff, and I should point out one thing is that before we recorded this about a week and a half ago, and when we recorded at the time, it was uh, the scheduled match was Oren Veid versus Paul London. Paul London unfortunately had to drop off, which does suck because uh, he was a he was you know a lot of people very familiar with him, his style of wrestling, and it was someone to be uh, definitely be stoked for. He had to drop off, but, uh, I mean, Eric absolutely absolutely delivered with uh, a replacement for him with none other than Alex Zane. Um, Alex Zane, fresh off, being released from WWE. He's just been tearing it up on the independent scene. Uh, he's been, you know, I think he did a, he's doing a taping with New Japan coming up. Uh, my first experience with him was seeing him at the GCW Backyard Wrestling Show where he jumped over a car a summer ago. So he's going to be facing off the Oren Veidt. I mean, just adding to an already stacked card. We get into that card so much more. Now, without further ado, Greenmaker Wrestling Podcast presents Eric from Time Bomb Pro. Now, before Time Bomb Pro was running shows in North Dakota, what was the wrestling scene like in, you know, Grand Forks and Fargo? Um, so Grand Forks is basically non-existent. Um, in Fargo and then like Western North Dakota, there was a company called Fully Loaded Wrestling. Okay. And that was basically like the only company around here. And they, they did really cool stuff, like not to like shit on them or anything like that. Like they would bring in like Abyss and like pretty big names and stuff. And they had good shows and all that. But, you know, like all wrestling companies, it came to an end for whatever reasons are attached to that. Mm-hmm. And then for probably about 
two years, there was really nothing at all. And right now there's, if you ask me, there's too many companies in North Dakota, but um, there's definitely something going on because there's a lot of wrestling in North Dakota right now. Mm -hmm. Well, it seems like it seems the the past few years that definitely things have really picked up what even, you know, in Minnesota as well, it seems there's always someone new coming out with a show. So it's, uh, it's a little surprising when it comes from almost nothing to a whole bunch all at once. Yeah, it's really weird that it went for like two years with no promotions to like now there's four, I think, in just like Fargo, like the Fargo area, which is insane. Mm -hmm. Well, growing up, I mean, were you going to a lot of shows or was it because I like my only experience was uh, I talked about it once was when TNA ran a show in Grand Forks and I drove down for that and I was super excited thinking it was in the Alaris Center and it was in like the Canadians like banquet hall and there's 150 people there. So that's my so, only experience. So funny story. That was actually the first wrestling show I've ever gone to. <laughs> um, so like growing up, I was a huge wrestling fan and my parents never really like wanted to be like dragged along to it, which I totally understand. Uh, they bought me tickets once for like my birthday or something and the show got canceled. But so that TNA show was my first show ever. And then I started going to fully loaded shows and that was kind of like my first like dive into independent wrestling. Mm -hmm. Now, I mean, you're, you are the mastermind behind time bomb pro. Uh, talk us through getting started. Like what was it that led to the creation of it? Um, so I used to book like um, hardcore punk shows a lot in Grand Forks and Grand Forks is such a small town and such like a weird town that it was like, so out of the ordinary to have hardcore punk shows and like different bands and stuff playing there. And it was all thanks to this venue called Ohada records, which also is a hot dog stand called dog Mahal dog house. Mm -hmm. And they, so I kind of got tired of booking like live music and I wanted to change it up. And I had been doing like FMW bootleg shirts under the name time bomb USA and I kind of started seeing like all the Casanova Valentine, like no ring shows and stuff. And I just looked at it. I was like, oh, that's something I could do. And I turned it into Time Bomb Pro Wrestling. Like every promoter says this, but it was supposed to be a one-time thing. And it mm -hmm. turned into this big thing that I do now. And, you know, I'm glad that like, I wish Cody Rice was still around, but I'm glad that Warren is still around. Like the people that really started it and like, they had no idea what they were signing up for. Like when they came to that show and stuff, it could have, it could have been like absolutely nothing, but it was, it was a cool show. And mm -hmm. it, I just kept going. And now I guess we're at where we're at, but it, it all stemmed from like doing like live music and it being like the booking process being pretty much the same. So I figured it's something I can do. And it's something that I want to do. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think you did something that a lot of people will always talk about, like, oh, if I, if I could put on a wrestling show, this is who I would bring in, or this is what I would do. And I mean, you are living proof, you're actually doing it. Yeah, I mean, like, I feel like a lot of promoters say this, but like, when I put together a card, it's like, okay, what would I want to see? But then I also have to put it through the lens of like, what do the people of like Fargo, North Dakota want to see? Cause what I want to see might be a little bit different than what people of Fargo want to see, but I think I can find a happy mix of that where I'm introducing people around here to like deathmatch wrestling or like comedy wrestling when they're mostly just used to like normal straight up, like family friendly wrestling shows. 
now leading up to your first show, what was the reaction like from, you know, friends and family that you're telling like, Hey, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to put on this, put on a wrestling event and I, I'm putting it all out there. What was the reaction like? Um, I think it was mostly just excitement. Cause it was something that like nobody had ever heard of in this area. Like obviously like Casanova Valentine was doing it out in New York and like, but it was still such an underground thing that nobody had really, I think the main thing was nobody like knew what it was going to be like. And then like, when you get there, it's just like, Oh, they're just like wrestling on the floor. Like there's literally nothing like, um, so I think there was a lot of like mystery behind it. And then once it happened and people were like seeing it happen, like right in front of their eyes, they just wanted more and more of it. Mm -hmm. And so talk us about that first show. I mean, what sort of what was the reaction like when you're putting it on and did you experience any uh any issues any difficulties with it or was it pretty smooth sailing um honestly the more i think about it there really wasn't any sort of issue with it it was super smooth sailing show like uh it was a packed place and everybody loved it i mean like it was the first show so people were just like freaking out over anything i mean like there was a guitar shot and it sounded like the reaction from like a WrestleMania show, like people just loved <laughs> literally, literally everything. So it, it was a super easy crowd. I feel like they're getting a little bit more desensitized to everything, but like, so we originally weren't going to use like glass or anything at that show. And Cody Rice and Orrin Bite actually found some light bulbs in the venue. And we're just like, Hey, can we use these? And I was like, eh, I don't know about that. And they convinced me to do it. Like people freaked out. Mm -hmm. and then the next show we kind of just went really heavy with the glass and now we're at where we're at and like I said I feel like people are getting desensitized to it a little bit like we might need to tone it down a little bit just mm -hmm. to reel people back into being surprised when it happens and stuff like that but yeah I mean like everybody was super into it um the reaction was insane like the wrestlers loved it because I mean like not to pull back the curtain too much but hardcore stuff is pretty much a night off like it's it's a pretty easy way to pop the crowd and it, it worked really good and people had a great time and it just seems to keep getting bigger and bigger. Yeah. I mean, with, we're going to get into a, a couple of the announced shows a little later on, but it seems like since I've been following time bomb, it's, you know, it started here and it's just moving up, you know, to the next level each and every show. And it's like, you're constantly delivering it's uh, the fans are going away happy every time and it, it seems like you're just I want to say you know not to put pressure but it's like you're one-upping yourself every time and absolutely delivering yeah I mean like that's that's something that I want to do but I also don't want to do at the same time because it's going to get to a point I, I think I'm at that point right now with like booking like a Minoru Suzuki where it's like how can I one-up this I don't really think I can so I think this is going to be the way I'm looking at this show is this is a new starting point. Whereas this is going to be the most people that have ever seen a time bomb show in person and on independent wrestling TV. So I might as well do the best show that I possibly can. And then after that, use the people that aren't Minoru Suzuki and just try to build a connection with people. And I don't know, just I don't want to say build a new roster, but just kind of treat that show as like a new first. I, I probably don't make any sense right now, but I'm trying to treat it as like a, a new first show, if that makes sense. Almost like the next chapter in Time Bomb Pro. Like this is what we've done up to here. And now, hey, we're going to start. We're rewriting it. And this is where we're going forward afterwards. Absolutely. You said it way better than I could have. <laughs> 
<laughs> so, I mean, you've put on, how many shows have you put on now altogether? Um, surprisingly, this is probably only like the 15th show, somewhere around there. I'd have to look at cage match, but I'm pretty sure we're past 10. I know that for sure, mm-hmm. but we're definitely not at 20 yet. So I'm just going to go ahead and say somewhere around 15. What's been your biggest takeaways from promoting these shows? Um, I guess I'm just how important it is to have a locker room of people that understand what you're going for and mm-hmm. not just people who are there to collect a paycheck. Um, I think when you have somebody that's just there to collect a paycheck, they really, really stand out and it kind of brings the whole locker room down. So I think it's really important to have a locker room full of team players that appreciate what you're doing and you appreciate what they're doing. And I think a lot of companies don't really utilize that. I think they're just booking whoever is going to get like the most fans in the door, which is absolutely what you're supposed to do. But Mm -hmm. I think there is a healthy mix that you can find there to make sure that your locker room is not to sound cliche, but that your locker room seems like a family and not just like a bunch of coworkers. Yeah. And I mean, that's sort of the vibe that I've kind of, uh, from some of the people I've talked to that wrestle in, you know, North Dakota and Minnesota is the family aspect of it. And you can really sense that with when you're talking to them, you know, like it's not just there for the glitz and glamour. They're there for, you know, to help each other out and to put on the best product possible. Yeah. And I mean, like, I think you can tell in a product when it's, when it's that way, you can tell that everybody's having fun and they're not just going through the motions, trying to have a good match, get their envelope and then go on to the next town. Like you can tell that people want to be there and they want to put on the best match possible to make the product that much better and hopefully get as many eyes on everything as possible. And I, I really think that shined when we did the, the two no fan live streams and guys were going just as hard as they would have if there was a hundred fans there. So, I mean, I feel like that was really eye opening that people are that willing to go to the next step or next level for time bomb, even if there's no fans there for them to cheer on. Now was here to stay the first one. So there was one before that called as real as it gets. And that one doesn't get talked about as much because we had, we, so we tried to live stream that one mm-hmm. and just down in that basement, the, the we weren't hard lined into the internet. So it was off Wi-Fi and the bricks just completely murdered the stream. It's, it's in like 280p or something like that. It's just, it's almost impossible to watch. So, but the here to stay one, we did that on a one day delay and it, it looks great. So, but mm-hmm. that's the one that gets talked about. And I feel like that's the better of the two shows anyway. So, well, that was my first experience watching your stuff. Cause I mean, like I had always known about time bomb pro since almost since the beginning, you know, I, you know, followed it on my basic Twitter account, you know, just keeping up with stuff. And then right before the pandemic, because I felt like that's when it was starting to kick up a little bit of a gear too. And it was like, okay, this is something I can, you know, drive down, go check out. And it seems like more of a possibility, but the pandemic hits and I watched that here to stay show and it was incredible. It was, you see the, how everybody just delivered. It seemed, you know, like the Damon Spriggle, Matthew justice match was fantastic. Dominic Garini and Oren fight was incredible. And I mean, that was uh, Badger Briggs and Carver. They put on a good show and Blair Onyx and Devon Monroe, correct? Yes. Yep. Yeah. You're spot on. Yeah. So, I mean, it, 
everyone on the card absolutely delivered and you know from top to bottom whoever was involved the announcers and the few fans that were there like they made it seem like it was uh, it was a lot of fun yeah and i mean like it all goes back to the thing i was saying about like just wanting to have that sense of like community with time bomb and i mean like imagine walking into that basement and being like okay there's no fans here like a lot of people would just like treat it as a night off and just have like a whatever match but like all of those people went above and beyond and there's a reason why i picked all those people because i knew that they would do whatever they had to do to make sure that it was entertaining for people when we couldn't entertain people in person Mm -hmm. so i mean you were putting on shows consistently and then the pandemic hits what was it like for you, you know, dealing with that? And then also, I mean, as a promoter, as a fan, what sort of, what was it like for you? Um, I think like everyone, it was incredibly defeating because we had just had our January show in Grand Forks and that was like a pretty good show. And it, it felt like things are starting to turn up a little bit. And then we had that show in Winnipeg that sold out so fast and I felt like that was going to be a big moment and like a big step forward for the company. And to have that canceled like less than a week before it was supposed to happen was Mm -hmm. extremely defeating. And then, I mean, I had a show in May lined up with arrow boy. And then like, I had so much stuff that I I can't even talk about that was just like insane and was going to put the company on another level, I think. But I think the stuff that we were doing now, is basically doing the job that those that those things would have but i mean still it would have been really cool to have been able to do all of that last year and i think we would have done a lot of really cool stuff last year but i mean it's hard to think about because it's like we had the one really cool show with a crowd during the pandemic with alex cologne and or invite and all that and i try not to think about what if too much because i think we did a really good job during the pandemic with all the safety mm-hmm. stuff and i I think we delivered as much as we could and I I can't be too upset about any of that. No, I mean, obviously things are a little different running a show during the pandemic and what's it, what sort of challenges do you face in regards to, you know, being safe and having everyone feel comfortable who's there? Um, I think the biggest issue for me is I, unlike most wrestling promoters can't just write off criticism too well. So I think the thing for me was realizing that, no matter what I do, somebody is going to be mad about it and that I can't take everybody's word for everything and that the people who want to be there want to be there and Mm -hmm. they trust themselves to be as safe as they can. And I think that was something that I had a hard time with, but once the show was over and everybody had a good time and everybody kept their masks on for the entire show and, you know, everything was distanced, we had to move it indoors, but we, you know, there was only 50 people there. So it was pretty easy to distance everybody still. And, I think um, once we did like the no fan shows and stuff like that, it was, it was getting a lot easier to deal with. And I mean, like the sanctuary shows have been like the two shows we've done since have been okay. As as far as COVID stuff, you know, it's not as much as I would like to do, but when the government is like dropping all regulations and stuff like that and requirements, I, I almost feel like I'm kind of forced to just uh, throw safety to the side, but yeah, I mean, it seems it seems like things are getting better and the nice thing about time bomb is i know probably 75 percent of the people who go to those shows so mm-hmm. i all know that they're vaccinated i know that they're still going to wear masks even if they don't have to so that's the nice thing is that i know a lot of them are being safe and the 25 percent that i don't know 
I, I hate to sound like an asshole, but it's, I guess it's just on them or whatever they feel comfortable with and whatever consequences that come out of that. So. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, you do your part and you give them the opportunity to, you know, obey whatever restrictions and that. And if they want to throw caution to the wind, I mean, there's only so much you can do. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, like we had one show where pretty much every fan in attendance took off their mask and it's like, when it gets to that point and the government is saying that's fine, like, what am I supposed to do? And Mm -hmm. nobody really got mad about it, but it's just like, you know, there's, there's really nothing I can do here. So I kind of just have to forget about it and move on. And I, I think everything's working out just fine. Mm -hmm. You mentioned that Winnipeg show that you had, do you have any plans to run one here eventually? Oh, absolutely. I mean, um, we sold it out super fast and we've postponed it instead of just canceling it. So everybody that had a ticket still has a ticket and then we've refunded some of them. So whenever we reschedule that show, there will be extra tickets available Mm -hmm. just because of the people who got their money back for them. But I mean, I, I want to book the same exact show that I had planned and maybe make it a little better just because so much has changed since then. Mm -hmm. But I mean, as soon as, so I can get there right now, but I feel like it's not the right time to do it just yet. I feel like once things lighten up a little bit more in Canada, then it'll be the right time to do it. Cause I'm not even sure what the event restrictions are right now, but I feel like if we wait a little bit longer, it'll really feel like the, the perfect time to do it. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you have been the open ear to my complaining about the border restrictions for coming <laughs> down to the States as like, whenever there's a change, I'm like, this is bullshit. Just let me come across the border. But uh, it, it really makes no sense that I can go there, but you can't come here. It, to me, it makes zero sense, but whatever. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I'm stoked for when you guys do eventually make your way up here. And when the tickets do go on sale, I'll be the first one to buy since I missed out the first go around. But it's something Absolutely, definitely to look yep. forward to. So what shows have stood out most to you that you've put on? Um, of all time, I'd say probably, so for a while we were just going by numbers. So it would be Time Bomb 3. That felt like the first show where it was like a big, big step forward. And it felt like, okay, we're doing something special here and I should keep going with it. And that was the show with Matt Tremont versus Oren Veit, mm-hmm. Effie's Twink Gauntlet, and uh, Eric Cannon versus Darren Corbin. And every match just felt so special. And it was our first time in Fargo instead of Grand Forks. So the crowd was a lot larger. They were a lot louder and stuff. And it it just felt really special. That's a super special moment to me. Um, Trying to think, you know, the, the first show that we did with a ring, which was during the pandemic, that show felt super special. But with all the circumstances involved, I wish it could have been bigger, but there's just there's nothing you can do about that um and i think this suzuki show is just gonna it's so beyond special to me that i think there's nothing that's ever gonna top it if you ask me well i mean let's get into your next couple shows that you've got lined up i mean on october 16th you have body count and i'm gonna run down the card and we can just go through that you got oren Wright facing off with uh damon spriggle insane lane versus ricky noren and Carver against Badger Briggs in a rematch and someone needs to get on cage match and get Badger a proper profile because uh, she's been making a name for herself in Minnesota and North Dakota and really deserves a a profile up there. I agree. Yeah. She's, uh, she's very underrated still, but um, I'm going to start with that match. I mean, you watched here to say you saw 
what happened with Carver and Badger. And it was, to be completely honest, it was meant to be a one-off and we kind of thought that there was something special there. So we just kept going with it. And mm-hmm. I mean, you saw at the, I don't know if you've watched Bloodlust yet, that's up on IWTV. Mm-hmm. You saw Badger kind of have a darker side to her. She jabbed Duke's bad eye or good eye and rolled him up. And, you know, it, I think there's a really good story there of um, Badger maybe having to resort to a little bit more evil tactics, but still at the end of the day, being a good person and, I mean, October 16th, she's going to try and end Carver for good. So we'll have to see. And not to spoil it, but we haven't aired it yet, but she did cost Carver his first loss in time bomb at the Sentence to Die show in Minneapolis. That was uh, against Effie, correct? Yes. Yep. New mm-hmm. internet champion, Effie. <laughs> um, <laughs> insane Lane insane Lane versus Ricky Norton. I mean, there's like a unintentional storyline going on right now of Ricky just taking on all the best like mid 2000s hack and slash guys. I mean, like he's taken on Madman Pondo. God, I can't even remember who else I put him with, but he's just doing these like uh, like disgusting death matches with everybody. And I, I think there's something to it where, you know, Orrin Vite and Damon Spriggle can be the technical death match guys, but then you also have to have somebody like Ricky Norn who's just willing to stab you with a pair of scissors or something like that, you know? So mm-hmm. I think there's a really good, so like obviously Damon and Oren, um, we did that at um, as real as it gets the first live stream and they absolutely killed it. So I think with a crowd this time, it's going to be incredible. And then you also have the, what's the right word I'm thinking of the difference with insane lane versus Ricky Norn, where it's just going to be, very bloody, very gory, very disgusting. So I think it's a short card, only three death matches, but I think each of them are going to be different and it's going to mm-hmm. be, I think they're all going to deliver. I think they're all going to be really great and we'll definitely have it on IWTV as soon as we can. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's it sounds like a good card. And I mean, a week later, you guys are coming back with the Violence is Forever and that's, you know, the Minoru Suzuki show for better or worse. I mean, it's, to me, it is one of the biggest shows that North Dakota will have ever seen. And I mean, you guys, you're, I mean, you're bringing in Suzuki. That's huge. Yeah. I mean, like, I I feel like that's really all you have to say about the show is that Minoru Suzuki is coming to North Dakota, which is just, it's a wild sentence, but I think um, the crowd is going to be insanely hot because you've never seen anything like that around here. And I think it's going to be a match to remember for a very, very long time, especially in terms of North Dakota wrestling and even Midwest wrestling, honestly, because mm-hmm. you don't see stuff like this too often besides like first wrestling, bringing in like a great Sasuke or something like that. You don't really yeah. see these like Japanese names that only the most hardcore fans would know. You don't see those guys getting brought around here too often. When I was kind of looking over like the Suzuki, you know, the Suzuki death tour, we'll call it and seeing, you know, okay, always facing Daniel Garcia, he in on the West Coast, you know, he was facing Davey Richards in St. Louis, and then, okay, he against homicide and Jonathan Gresham and all these guys. And then it's always also facing off against Dominic Garini and that and you're bringing that to us. Yeah, man, I you know not to pat myself on the back, but I honestly feel like I'm booking the best Minoru Suzuki match on this whole tour. I, I believe in Dom so much that I can confidently say that. And I was at the David Richards show last weekend and it was phenomenal, but 
I also think that there's just going to be such an aura behind the Dominic Greeny match. And, you know, Dom took some time off and this is kind of his return to everything. And I, I really feel that there's going to be a special vibe there. And I mean, if, if there was ever something to term a super fight, I, I think this is it. Mm-hmm. What was it, what sort of process did you have to go through to bring Minoru Suzuki to the Midwest? Um, not to get too much into it. I, mm-hmm. All the thanks goes to Kikutaro, who I've booked before. He He's kind of my go-to guy with all the Japanese stuff that I need to do. So I, I just kind of contacted him, and he got me in touch with New Japan. And this is all going through New Japan, and they've been great to deal with. So um, I, you know, it was fairly simple when you really think about booking Minoru Suzuki. It's just as, as long as you have your finances in order, you can do it. So, mm-hmm. But um, it was it was fairly simple, and I, I'm super excited. It's all working out. He I haven't spoken directly to Suzuki, but like through the middleman, he's been honestly one of the easiest wrestlers I've ever worked with. So it's really cool to have him be so cool about everything. And hopefully we can show him a good time in Fargo, North Dakota. For sure. And I mean, running down the rest of the card, you got Brian Keith versus Kevin Koo, Eric Cannon versus Damon Spriggle, Paul London versus Oren Vite, and Jordan facing off against Badger Briggs. It's a, it's a stacked card. That's for sure. I mean, like I, I've put pretty much everything I got into this show. So if, if this isn't the best show we've ever put on, then I, I don't know what I'm doing wrong. I think this is going to be the best show you put on because that card is stacked from top to bottom. It's something for everyone. And I mean, Paul London's return, you got Oren Veidt who always delivers. Kevin Koo delivers. I mean, Eric Cannon is a mainstay in the Midwest. So, I mean, from top to bottom there's something for everyone yeah i'm really excited for that kevin koo brian keith match i i honestly think that one's going to steal the show that's it kevin koo is on such a roll right now in independent wrestling and brian keith is really working his way up to the same level that kevin koo is at and i really think they're just going to beat the absolute living shit out of each other and it's it's going to be a spectacle for sure i'm really excited for that one Kevin Koo is criminally underrated. And I mean, it blows my mind that he doesn't get more recognition in the wrestling scene. Absolutely. He, every match that I've put him in, he is beyond delivered. So I'm, I'm super excited for that one. I I think, and I'm, I'm really excited for the show because I feel like Suzuki is the vehicle to get all those people watching the show on IWTV. But then it also gives me the opportunity to get all those eyes on these people that I'm trying to build up. And not mm-hmm. that I'm building up Kevin Koo, but I feel like it's a good opportunity for him to show or remind everybody that he is one of the best on the independent scene right now. Mm-hmm. I think it's also great for somebody like a Badger Briggs to really show what she's got. And she's she's done less than 20 matches. She's already done two death matches for me. She's had some of the like best matches I've ever seen like a green kid have for Tom Bomb Pro. So I think she's really on a roll. I think she's going to impress a lot of people at that show. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, you have you know, someone might be a fan of Kevin Koo, but not know that, hey, he wrestles for MLW regularly, you know, so, or they could be a fan of MLW, don't know about that, whatever. They see him on the show and it's like, okay, this guy's awesome. And it just leads to more, you know, more eyes focused on them. Yeah, definitely. Yep. So, I mean, what's it like? What are tickets like left? Do you almost sold out? What are we looking at here? Um. So full transparency here, we've, sold about 250 tickets a little bit over that out of the 300 that we've put up for sale so we're sitting at about 40 tickets left it's all general admission left um, it's only 25 dollars 
Um, the Suzuki meet and greet, which is super limited. We only have like five of those left and those are $40 and you get a autograph picture, photo with Suzuki, all that. And I mean, I, I really, you know, they're kind of moving slow right now, but I really think once we get into, so we're two weeks away as we're recording this, but I think within that last week or so, we're really going to sell it out. And then the day of the show, I'm probably going to add some standing room only tickets, but I would say general admission is the way to go. If you're listening to this and still on the fence about everything, make sure you have a seat, make sure you can see everything and stuff, you know? So um, I think it's going to be a sellout for sure. And I think it's going to be an amazing crowd. I mean, 300 people is almost unheard of for Fargo independent wrestling. So I'm hoping I can set the standard there and just keep kind of building up from it. So. Okay. I got two more quick questions for you before I let you go, because I know you're a busy man. (laughs) I like to ask everyone because, you know, there are no wrong answers and it's always a different response. If you were going to change something in wrestling right now, what are you going to change? Hmm. I think this goes for more so just independent wrestling and it's a complaint that I always have. And I feel like sometimes it makes me sound like Jim Cornette, but I do wish, I I do wish that there was a lot more, I guess intensity is the best word, maybe believability in independent wrestling. I, I just wish that there wasn't so much cooperation and that every match felt like there was some sort of issue there where there's good and evil. And, you know, I feel like, going forward that's really what i'm going to try and do with time bomb is make sure everything has meaning behind it and that there's something to root for something to boo for all that i mean it's old school but there's a reason it worked for so long and i feel like we're we're reaching a precipice where people are going to start going back to that because you see something like a gcw doing like a matt cardona versus nick gage and it's like there's a reason that's working so well and it's because there's a clear baby face and a clear heel and even then I hate going that much behind the curtain, but like, it, it's just like people say that storylines don't matter, but then a storyline happens and everybody loses their mind over it. So I'd really like to see independent wrestling, just do more storylines instead of just super fights, even though here I am booking a super fight, but <laughs> um, we're also in the middle of a storyline with Dom. So it works out, but I mean, mm-hmm. I, I just wish more places would put a little bit more meaning behind everything and not just throw matches together. Mm-hmm. Now, last one I have for you. So far in 2021, what have been your favorite matches that you've been able to watch? Oof. Um, so I mentioned that I just saw Davy Richards and Suzuki. That one was the first non-time bomb show that I've been to in quite some time. So just seeing the vibe of that one was really awesome. There was also a show or a match on that show that was uh, Fred Yehi versus Myron Reed. Oh, and that nice. was that was incredible. So those two matches are really high up there for me. I'm trying to think, because like I'm a really big in person fan. Like in all honesty, I have a hard time watching stuff on TV just because my attention span is so short. Mm-hmm. So, um, but I mean, there's some stuff like even just from last year, like Matt Tremont versus RSP, Matt Tremont's retirement match. I absolutely loved that, and that goes back to the whole storyline thing where there's actually meaning behind it and emotion behind it and everything. Um, Nick Gage versus Cardona was awesome just because it was such a spectacle to see mm-hmm. Cardona doing stuff like that. Um, I'm trying to think what else I've seen really. Um, you know, the, the one match that I did that really, really sticks out to me is the tag match with Violence is Forever and Or Invite and Damon Spriggle because mm-hmm. 
the vibe and like it really doesn't translate on IWTV the vibe that was there like at the end when Damon was standing tall and the whole place is chanting for him or when he has the fighting spirit spot and the whole place just explodes like there was that was the first time in time on where I really felt that we were telling a story with everything and that people were biting on it and it's it's just an amazing feeling to have when you put something together and people understand what you're going for and they're they're extremely loud for it Mm -hmm. no and I mean with these next two shows that you have coming up I mean if anybody is on the fence I don't know what more we can say besides they're going to be incredible get your tickets and be a part of something that's going to go down in midwest wrestling history for if we're going to put it bluntly well, I, I appreciate that very much. I'm, I'm trying really hard to not just run another wrestling promotion. So it feels nice when people think that way also. Mm-hmm. Now, for anyone listening, if they haven't been able to check you out, where can they find you online, uh, Twitter and all the all the socials you got? Um, so Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, that's all Time Bomb Pro. You can find us on YouTube at Time Bomb Pro Wrestling. I try to upload stuff pretty regularly on there. There's a lot of free matches stuff like that um you can find all of our free show or full shows at independentwrestling.tv iwtv live that's where we'll be streaming the minoru suzuki show as well and if you go to independentwrestling.tv and sign up use the code timebomb to let them know that we sent you and they kind of kick back a little bit more to me so it it helps me out and i mean they have thousands and thousands of promotions on there so you could you can watch stuff every day 24 7 and never run out of stuff to watch on there Perfect. Now, I mean, good luck with the shows. I'm fingers crossed. I'm holding hope that, you know, maybe the day before they're like, you know what, cross the board or have fun, but I'm holding hope I, that I'll be able to join you. I honestly think they're going to do it. I'm, I'm keeping my fingers crossed for you because you're the only person from Winnipeg that has bought a ticket. So I, I'm really, really hoping you can make it. <laughs> well, fingers crossed. Nonetheless, hopefully everyone listening will, you know, make their way down there as well. But thank you so much for taking the time and joining me today. Yeah, thank you, man. I love the podcast, so it was was awesome to be on here. Thank you so much to Eric from Time Bomb Pro Wrestling for taking the time out of his day and joining me on the Grainmaker Wrestling Podcast. Eric and everyone involved with Time Bomb Pro, they are absolutely crushing it. They're killing it, just putting on some fantastic shows, and these next two will be no different. So if you haven't yet, get tickets for it. Go check out Violence is Forever. Be a part of Midwest wrestling history and see something very special. I mean, Minoru Suzuki, you cannot go wrong. And when are you going to get another chance to check him out live, in person, in action? If there's meet, if there's meet and greets, get a ticket for that. Get a picture with the guy. Maybe he'll chop you. Who knows? No promises, but who knows? So thank you to him for taking the time out of his day. Thank you for listening. I honestly truly appreciate it. Uh, it means a lot to me that you take you know, an hour out of your day to uh, listen to the podcast. So thank you so much for that. Now, if you're listening, listening for the first time, you can find me on Twitter at GrainmakerPod. You can send me an email if you'd like, GrainmakerPodcast at gmail.com. Let me know what you think of the podcast. Let me know someone you want uh, to join me on the podcast. Um, uh, it's, It's an open door. I'd love to bring them on and chat wrestling with them. So um, up on Facebook, Grainmaker Wrestling Podcast, but I need to add more to that. It's, it's a work in progress, you know, baby steps. Up on Apple Podcasts, up on Spotify Podcasts, up on Google Podcasts. So if you could rate, review, 
I would appreciate that. You know, bump those numbers up. It'd be, it would mean a lot to me. So, and I mean, if you know someone who you think might enjoy the podcast as a fan of local wrestling, definitely shared with them. I would appreciate it. So nonetheless, thank you for joining me. I truly appreciate it. Have a good one.